Welcome to The Dreamcast, a podcast created by the students of the Otis Music Camp in Macon, Georgia. Each episode of The Dreamcast will feature stories and conversations with exceptional artists from our hometown of Macon, Georgia and around the world. This week, we interview the incredible vocalist Jasmine Habersham. The Macon native has established herself as one of the most versatile and exciting performing artists in the country, performing with the Atlanta Opera, Minnesota Opera, the Cincinnati Opera in Glimmerglass, and many more. In this episode, Habersham recounts her early years in Macon, including a coaching session with Alan Evans, another Macon-born opera performer who was also a classmate of Otis Redding, her schooling at Shorter College and the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, and her many successes as a performer throughout the world. Welcome back to the Otis Redding Foundation Dreamcast podcast. It is such a pleasure for me to be here today talking with the lovely, talented Jasmine Habersham. Thank you for being here, Jasmine. Of course. Thank you for having me. So, Jasmine, just, you know, I... One of the things that's exciting for me is, you know, these folks have heard me mention a couple times how I am an opera singer in the um, opera industry. And so it's always fun when I get to speak with people who are in that world, you know, uh, we spoke with Roderick. um, And, you know, so that's cool. So, Jasmine, let us know just a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Jasmine Habersham, and I'm a piano. I basically sing opera within the United States, and I'm a soprano. I, you know, sing, uh, you know, Mozart, Handel, a wide variety of, of operatic repertoire that I sing. But mainly, yeah, I'm, I'm a singer, and I do this for a living, and I, I love it. So, so I mean, and that, that's no small thing in this, especially in this industry, right, because opera and classical, Western classical music, that's a very specific niche that involves mm-hmm. loads of training and coaching and more training. And so, and then even when we have that, the career trajectory is not guaranteed, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah. You know, so I would love to hear, because you're from Macon, right? Yes, yes, like, I am. Born and raised. And yeah, so yeah. I'm curious to know what brought you to opera. Because we know about soul in making, right? We know about, I mean, it, it's not surprising music coming from making. But we don't know, we don't really hear much about classical opera music. So I'm curious about what brought you to this music and, you know, what had you say, oh, yes, this is what I want to do? Yeah, so um, it's so interesting because I, I grew up in a very, very musical family. So I was exposed to, you know, several different types of music, but I mainly, you know, grew up hearing gospel uh, and jazz. And, and um, you know, my parents definitely had a hand in exposing, you know, me to what they used to listen to. and. Um, uh, you know, I went to several camps like Midsummer Macon. I used to actually play piano <laughs> um, prior to singing um, for a number of years. And so uh, I went to camps like Midsummer Macon where, 
you know, you got to explore so many different facets of art and dance and painting. And, and um, it's a shame because I wish they still had those programs happening, you know, and I, but I know that Otis Redding is one of them where kids do get that chance to explore themselves musically, which is just so, so very important and needed in, in our city, but also this entire world. Um, but yeah, so I kind of got my musical exploration through there. Um, and it was when I was at Midsummer Macon, I actually remember seeing Rita Davis, she gave a concert. And I was like, you know, I think that would be like, something cool to do. Like, I wonder if I can do that. And that, you know, that was kind of like one of the first times that I had seen like, you know, classical music in that setting um, of there being a recital. So, um, so from there, you know, I continued to go to the camp, you know, every summer. And um, I was in one of the musical theater, cl theater classes and I sang, your daddy's son. And <laughs> from Ragtime. And I remember um, the the theater, um, the theater director was like, okay, I need you to listen to this. And I need you to like, you know, learn the song, like, you know, Wills of a Dream and, and continue learning, you know, of course, your daddy's son, but to get more intimate with it and intimate with the show, Ragtime. And it was from there, that's when I learned about Audra McDonald. So. <laughs> Audra McDonald is a gateway. For oh, my God. So She's just everything. She's just absolutely everything to me. And in that same way, yeah, she's a gateway to whether it's acting, singing, just anything. Um, but I remember, you know, hearing her, that this is really cool. And so I got her Dream Variations album. And I remember hearing Ricky Ian Gordon's Dream Variations. That was the very first song on the album. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I really, really want to. Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, I'd already kind of been in some contact with people at Wesleyan, Nadine Whitney. Um, I started taking voice lessons with her. And mind you, I was in high school at the time. Um, and so I started taking lessons and then she was like, I think you could, you know, really do this, <laughs> you know, as a career. I think you should, you know, apply to some schools. Um, so I applied to Shorter, Mercer, Florida State, but um, <laughs> I ended up going to Shorter University for my undergraduate. And then I went to uh, CCM, the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music for my master's and my artist diploma. Um, and that's kind of the trajectory of kind of my musical like education throughout. So um, yeah, that's that's a very like not convoluted, but it's a very like <laughs> that's kind of the direction that it took for me, and it has kind of other branches on there. But that's kind of the way. And um, I mean, it's it's interesting because in Macon, I had so many experiences of that discovery that happened there, you know, um, that I, you know, are still to my heart this day. Like when I met Alan Evans, a baritone, I did a master class for him. And and I remember being so nervous and I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if this man's going to like me or not or what he's going to say. And like, you know, 
it was an incredible experience because he was like, I really believe you have a great talent. And that's when that was kind of born in me. And I was at Douglas Theater. So it's just the discovery moments were in making, and I'm thankful for that. And I, so I heard so much in your story yeah. because I love asking this question because, you know, every path is so unique. But then there's oh, yeah. also like, yeah, but then there are some things that you hear that are unifying. Like everyone I talk to, um, especially, you know, classically and, you know, and black women especially, right, like or black people in general because it's not, it's not really expected, you know. Like right. you said, you grew up listening, to, you know, to gospel and, and soul music and, and this is what is expected. And so I love hearing people's journey and even with that specific as yours is, um, a, an area that I hear as a theme for so many is seeing, hearing someone, some representation that let them see that it was possible for yes. them. Yes. You know, there's that there's that connection. And then you described having a just a long history of musical exposure and education. Um yeah. and you know, yeah, you were you you were before, you know, the, the, the Otis Music Camp, right? Which is which is how I connected to Macon. But that's one of the things that I being a coach at that camp that is essential for me is that the the campers have that opportunity to explore such yeah. a range of musical styles because right. we do we we have our classical group we have yes. our classical group you yes. know and and jazz and R&B and gospel and pop and country so they can explore those and then also the industry aspects of it right the business Part. Mm -hmm. um, yes. which, which I'll say, I mean, I, that was, that's the part for me that has been more on the job training. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I don't know what, what's been your experience of learning or knowing the business side of things in the opera industry. Yeah. I have to say, and it's something that I wanted to touch upon too, about like having your own career, is you focusing on the things that you uniquely want to do. I think when you figure that out, that's when things kind of, at least for me, things kind of came together when I started doing the things that I love. I mean, like that's I a whole sermon. Right? <laughs> but yeah, when I started just doing this the arias that i love to do that fit my voice the best that's when things kind of started to to unlock for me um in the sense that i was kind of creating my own niche and my own artistry and because like that's something that's really hard to navigate in this industry you have a hundred different people with a hundred different opinions or the same, or like way off or not. And it's like, you have to know what your voice wants to do and stick with that, you know? And I think 
what happens to black students. I think that we don't have enough black educators knowing how to train black voices. And you don't have to, and, and please understand this too, you don't have to have a black educator to do it. But I think sometimes often we don't have the right, we don't have people who know the right tools to guide us in the right repertoire or to guide us um, to certain aspects um, of like knowing about the industry and how it works as an industry. It's like, I have to say, I learned all of that out after I left grad school. <laughs> it's like, nobody tells you, no one tells you what to do when you get out of grad school. You know, it's like this safe nest that you're in. And then there, once you graduate, you're like, bye. <laughs> and like, no one, no one tells you. And um, I think offering programs and those kinds of seminars to tell people like, this is what you need to do to get into grad school. This is what you need to do. This is the kind of teachers that you might wanna work with that might fit your voice, having mentorship. I think that's so, so very important. Um, I kind of I've forgot the question because that, that was something I did want to touch upon because you were asking about the business aspect of it, correct? Right, right. Yeah, so um, a really good friend of mine told me this. Um, he told me that when it comes to marketing yourself, <laughs> you have to do things that fit your voice. You have to also be believable in the part based on how, you know, your physical, the physical demeanor. And you have to really like love doing it. Did I already say that? No, but yeah, it has to fit your voice. Yeah. And it has to, have to be like this, like, you know, those diagrams with like the three circles and they yeah. all come to intertwine. You really have to like find rep and things that fit you on that level. And also, and when it comes to physical size, it's more beyond that. Like, I think what like matches the essence of who you are, you know, I've seen people who like, they're just like, not to say they're mean, but they're just like, they have this like brooding kind of energy. And they sing the heck out of Sweeney Todd, but I wouldn't want to hear them sing anything else. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I'm sure that's where the acting comes in, where you do your job to portray different characters. That does come in. But it is nice when, like, you know, if you're a Mikaela trying to, well, that's that's not a good example. But, like, Carmen and Mikaela are two different characters, right? And granted, they're not the same Fox, but it's like, if you like more of that, like Carmen-esque music or something that's that daring, you like playing those characters, show that, you know, show how you want to present yourself um, and the kind of roles that you want to do. And that will ring true to people if it rings true to you. If you're just singing arias just to sing them, that doesn't make leave a mark. But if you're singing stuff that really you can connect to and relate to and things that really touch your heart, I think that is a great way to build an audition repertoire that really speaks about who you are as an artist versus, oh, I'm trying to be like so-and-so. Because uh -huh. this is what so-and-so is. I mean, yeah, we have similar voices, but it's like, maybe you don't like singing that, you know? And it, it's yeah, there's so many... You know, there's like the rules where you have like the English, the German, Italian, and it's like, 
maybe you do all Italian because that's that's what you do well. You know, if you do runs really well, list it. And li there's so much repertoire out there that that we can discover. So, Jasmine, you you talking you talking real real reckless and real like you know rebellious <laughs> right now. Yeah, I know. And it's a lot to like process because it took me years to figure that out. And I mean, years of times where I was like, I don't know I want to be or how I want to be. And you have all these voices telling you. And eventually it's just like, do what you want to do, you know, and your voice will tell you, too, if it's not right. Your voice will let you know. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I did a coaching once and my coach said, Listen, your voice is about to divorce you because you trying to do this up here. <laughs> and she's going up because I was, you know, I was doing mezzo stuff, which touches on yeah. what you were talking about in terms of knowing uh, teachers really knowing um, the voice, especially the black voice. Right. Because it it. it that's a whole. That's a whole nother conversation that we can. That's a whole nother conversation. We can. We can do that somewhere. But just really knowing and understanding the voice, yeah. um, acknowledging the training that you do have, even when it exists out of classical music, right? So many people sing in church or gospel, and that is a training. So being able to see and to hear those things, and then also, you know, the part that really stuck out to me was you talked about this this overlap with the Venn diagram and how you, you know, you must sing music that fits your voice. And that means like, can you sing this thing? Can you sing it comfortably? Does, yeah. Is it exciting? Right. You, you got to love what you're doing. You know, I, I, as when I transitioned, you know, um, a coach gave me an aria and I was like, I don't want to like, this character is stupid. Like, why is he crying right now? You know, like, it, because it because I did not love it. And that comes back to the third thing you said, being believable, being true to your essential self. Yes. And that is so necessary right now to have that conversation because especially in opera, um, and and in musical theater as well, right? When we when we cast according to our notions of what we think is believable. Right. It can also entail some ism, right? Or some 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 uh, subconscious bias. Right? And 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 we are in the thick of these conversations right now, right? In terms of body, in terms of um gender identity, in terms of uh sexuality um, as portrayed on there's so many of these things that mm -hmm. did not fit into a white heteronormative scope right, right of who would be I mean many of the characters that you play mm -hmm. Jasmine right this this um coquettish or or you know um ingenue type of a character yeah. for the longest time people couldn't imagine black women right in that type of a role and particularly darker skinned women as well that I have right. to put that out there right um, yes and, and, and the people see how you want them to see you well, 
I was just about to say, because the thing is, is baby, when you are singing that thing down and when you are on that stage, yeah, people are forced to suspend their ignorance, really, because yeah. you be, you're because you're undeniable right. at that point. And so I want to know. Because, you know, you describe the process that so many of us go through, regardless of gender, race, any uh, identifiers, right? So many people describe going through this process of discovery, especially in, um, in our industry where you do have so many voices, so many opinions, so many rules, right? How did you, because you're young. Okay, at your good young age, how did you have the audacity to say, I am going to listen to my own voice and my own intuition and my own desires and create my own path and just do what I want to do? How, where do you get that from? So there is a period in my life where I didn't know what was happening. I think we all go through that in our lives where it's like <laughs> just question marks <laughs> everywhere. And I remember kind of getting to this point of vulnerability myself that I was like, I can't, I can't be like someone else. I just can't do it. Now, mind you, I'm still learning this and I'm still healing those parts of myself that that sometimes I don't think that I'm good enough, right? You know, um, and that's a normal thing. And, you know, it's I'm in therapy and all that to, to get those things healed, right? Because um, they're very traumatic and it's not to say... You know, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you're not experiencing this. This is not how the world is. And it's like, no, I see this from my vantage point. The things that I see and experience have affected me to sometimes feel that I'm not good enough. And the, the amount of rejection that we go through as singers is like, so it can be really heartbreaking. Um, so just trying to find ways, you know, during that time, I was trying to find ways of how to get out of that. And I remember I was like praying and journaling. And I remember like even like writing a prayer to God. And I was like, I just, I can't be anyone but me. Like I know what I do well and I'm just go with that. And, you know, I've had lots of people even like, you know, give me advice and encouragement, but one and I have to say, I really stuck to this. I did a competition, and Ricky Ian Gordon was was uh, uh, not directing. He was judging it. And first round, I did well. Second round, I didn't advance, right? And he called me the next day, and he's like, Jasmine, when you did the first round of this competition, I thought you were going to win. And then he said the second one, he's like, I don't know what happened. He said, and, and he was like, it wasn't you. He was, <laughs> he was simply like the music that you did was not you. And he huh. said, if it's not you, don't do it. Huh. So, 
And it was he was blunt as could be, but some of the best advice I think I ever could have gotten that he was like, yeah, you were great. And then the second, it was just, I don't know what was going on, you know? And um, it made me realize that I have to do me. And I mean, even to the point, I would start some of my opera auditions with art songs, <laughs> you know? Because I was like, I love this song and I wanna sing it. And I feel like it expresses my voice in the best way and I would do it, you know? and. Did that maybe cost me some places? Maybe, but it let people know what I like to do. And then they'd be like, hmm, I wonder, can she do this? Or I wonder, can she do that? You know? Um, so those are, you know, there was a time I was doing that. You know, I wouldn't necessarily advise it now, but I, yeah, I just was like, here I am. You know, this is what I do. You don't like it. All right. You know, literally. So, Again, and I still have moments where I have to remind myself, like, is this me? Is this what, you know, like, is this what I want to do? Is this the kind of career that I want to have? Like, you know, I still have to remind myself about that. But those are moments where I had those revelations of just, I'm going to do what I want best. Because that's what the world is going to see. And then they're going to be like, yes. If I say yes, I know they'll say yes. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, you, you described Ricky Ian Gordon's feedback as, you know, blunt and and direct. And I'm like, it's a, it's, it's a kindness. Yes. Really. In that. He told me one, the truth. He didn't say. He told you the truth. He didn't, he didn't, you know, we have so many people, oh, you did a great job. You're beautiful, but not really telling you what you really needed to hear. And that was some of the best and hardest advice that I needed to hear at that moment. He told you the truth, and, but it's an affirming truth, right? Yeah. He, he, what he told you is, we want you. And the fact that you in your career had the feedback that offers, okay, when you're not being you, this is what you get, and when you're being you, this is what you get, because there are so many who can get by, right, being less than ourselves, and it might look like success, but what is success if if you have to lie or pretend every day to keep yeah. it? Yeah. And so it's you you said the word vulnerability earlier. Yeah. I also hear the bravery that it requires to go against standards. And you said you don't know if you would advise it now. Listen, I you know, I'm a rebel myself. I mean, <laughs> do it. Go in there and do yeah. I, I, did, I did an audition recently. I had it I hadn't auditioned in years. And um I, the show I was auditioning for, and you know they asked they asked for what was asked for, and two pieces and so, you know one in English and one in, in you know another one, and then I decided you know what I'm gonna do a spiritual and not only am I gonna do a spiritual I'm gonna do an acapella, because one I love it, two it conveys yeah energy right. of the show and this character. 
And so it's like, you know, if you so caught up in your rules that you don't catch this blessing. <laughs> exactly, because, like, they want to see you. They want to see, like, and also understand every audition that you don't get doesn't mean that you won't get other ones. There's been so many times where I've auditioned for places Never got in that young artist program, but I got hired by that company later because they were like, oh, don't you remember Jasmine? Yeah, we, we she's saying this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's hire her for this. Like any moment that you have a chance to sing in front of people, I think just make sure you're showing you, you know, and expressing what you do best. Because again, people know when it's not you. Like, like for us, do you know Doja Cat? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really love her. Like, she's just an amazing all-around artist. And I just know I sense her. Versus, like, some artists, you're like, you know, they're growing. They're, like, getting the hang of it. But you're like, every time I've seen this girl perform consistently, she is herself all the time. And based by her own rules. And so, like, in the same way, like, you know people that are in their passion. Or, like, Beyonce. Like, you just know it. There's no doubt about that. I, and I know I could be doing other, like, even <laughs> operatic singers, you know, where there's, there's that example. But I'm saying on a, you know, a more practical note, you can see when there's people who are in their passion and doing their thing their own way. Versus people who are like, okay, I have a great body, so I'm just gonna, I, and I have a kind of okay voice, so I'm gonna sing this track and, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I know that's not you. Or like Victoria Monet, I just discovered her, I think like two nights ago, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's amazing, you know? Um, and, and, and ultimately, regardless of genre, that's what yeah. people want, and that's what lasts. And, and, you know, I, uh, you, you mentioned Doja Cat, and I, I stumbled upon one of her lives one time. And it's like, oh, yeah, she, you know, she weird. And, you know, all of, like you said, but it, it's consistent, right, with who, who she right. is. Right. So, and it um, may not be your taste, and that's okay. <laughs> that may not be your taste. <laughs> you know, there are some things I'm like, wow. But she, you can tell that's her. And that's the thing, right, is that you get to live at home in your body every time when you show up authentically. And, um, you know, as I grow and mature, I see what uh, – um, I see that there is no – that is the pinnacle of success for me, is to – be able to fully embody myself. Yeah. Uh, so, so you and I, I'm like, uh, you know, as I'm listening, and I'm like, okay, so we could, we could talk, we could spill some tea, like, uh, like we could talk, but I'm not, you know, we 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 we're gonna we're gonna honor we're gonna honor the the the, the span <laughs> of the of this of the show, you know. But I I um as we're sitting here speaking so comfortably. I'm reminded about when I first, I, I, you know, I'd heard your name, but when I first met you um, was at the, I think it was the very first Otis the Season um, concert that the Otis Redding, the Christmas concert. Yes, and yes. Um, 
And, you know, just very, you know, you just a very beautiful energy and, of course, gorgeous voice. And, you know, this jewel from Macon, right? So just um, share with us a little bit about where you are now. Like, cause, you know, we, we, we got a time difference happening right now, right? Yes. So share with us where you are now, what, you know, what you're working on and, um, and what's coming up for you. Yeah, so um, right now I am currently singing Gilda and Rigoletto at Opera North um, here in the UK. Um, I am in Leeds, England, to be exact. Um, so yeah, it's like a five-hour time difference right now. So it's it's nighttime for me. Um, so and I, I'm sure it's like what one o'clock in the it's like the afternoon. Ah, uh, yeah, it's about one here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm doing Verity, um, <laughs> and uh, this is my first, this is the debut of my role here, and it's a fantastic company. Um, it's, it's, and it's, you know, it's interesting how, you know, you hear singers say you need to work in Europe, you know, go overseas, and I understand now because it's a different process because you're kind of closer to the originality of, of making music if that makes sense. Um, and so I'm having a wonderful, really wonderful time. I mean, I, I really can't go, I like, there's nothing more I can say past that because it's like I'm singing this amazing music and exploring this like beautiful, like character who tragically is just so naive, but she's such a pure, genuine person and wants the best and it just ends tragically. Um, and so, and, and I think what's, what really makes this production really special, um, you know, most of our black leads, uh, excuse me, most of our leads are, are black. So okay. um, I'm seeing the role of Jill. Yes. And also the director, uh, Femi, he it will be the first Nigerian, actually first black director to direct in the UK, an opera in the UK. So this is a pretty momentous kind of thing where, you know, he's incorporating all these Nigerian uh, elements into the show. And like the opening, when I'm singing, you know, the opening scene when uh, I'm, you know, when I'm singing Karonome, I'm in like this like uh, Ankara print pajamas and I'm wearing mm. a whole wrap and like, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's gonna be a beautiful, beautiful show. Also Willard White, oh my gosh. Fantastic is in this. Uh, Eric Green plays Rigoletto. Um, Willard White does Monterone. We also have Timba Mavula who's doing Hello. Uh, um, so it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty uh, amazing. We yeah. love that for you. And what's 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 coming up? What's coming up? Oh, so what's coming up? I'm doing uh, Euridice. In uh, the Offenbach, Orpheus in the Underworld, and Madison Opera, right after this, uh, in uh, March. Well, excuse me, not March, April, May. <laughs> I have to get my schedule together in my head. Um, and then um, I'll be at Glimmerglass doing a new Rossini opera, which will be really interesting. It's called Tenor Overboard. And then I'm also doing a world premiere uh, with uh, Damien Jeter, his new work called Holy Ground. And then um, my rest of the season is still forming, but I have some great things coming up. 22, 20, 
three. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I have to think about the year. It's so weird because I'm like, wait, we're in 21. We're still in 21. Okay. And yeah. So. Yeah, and offer books so far in advance. Yes. And, yes, and yes. I just love the mix that you get to do of, you know, classical, uh, you know, uh, repertoire pieces and new work, premiering new work. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Final question. Yes. Final question, right? Because this is the Otis Redding Foundation, yes. right? Built on the man, Otis Redding. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how, you know, people want to see the essential you and hear the mm -hmm. essential you. And uh, my sister and I were watching the show the other day. I don't even remember what it was. And, and the Otis Redding song came on. And it's like, you know, that it's it's timeless. The music is timeless for that very reason, right? It's like you could hear his soul in in, in every track. Yeah. But yeah. for now, we want to know what is your favorite Otis Redding song? So my favorite one, I had to look this up because Again, Otis Redding, you hear his, he has so much music that you like don't even sometimes realize that was Otis Redding. Um, you know, so it's, it's a pretty, he's a time, like you said, timeless performer who embodied soul to the fullest and was from Macon, Georgia, which is absolutely amazing. Um, my favorite Otis Redding song is Cry a Little Tenderness. And the reason why is because uh, one of my favorite movie scenes from Pretty in Pink, uh, the guy like comes to the record store and he's like dancing. It, it's, yeah, it's amazing. He's trying to impress her. And so like, he's like dancing all over the record store. Um, and that's like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I mean, for sure, because, you know, he, especially in the relatively short time, you know, that he was with us, very prolific songwriter and so yeah it's like people saying it's a beautiful song too yes like you know try a little tenderness like because your your woman is she's dealing with a lot and instead of don't tease her don't you know just 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 give her you know give her a little tenderness that, that's <laughs> he's giving like a guy to like how to treat a woman and i and it's funny because you don't hear music like that anymore you hear i mean what may have you however you roll that's fine uh but it's very much more explicit these days and versus, it is. yeah i just want some tenderness just like It just—it's it, beautiful. It's a beautiful love letter to to understanding how a woman feels, and I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine. This has been so wonderful, and yeah, I'm like, you know what? We're gonna have to connect again um, and do some more talking because because I just I love you know I, I tell you this all the time. I just love watching your career. Um, oh, thank you. Just blow up, and then just hearing even more how it is. Um, grounded and built upon your being your essential self and pursuing your truth um, unwaveringly and how you found success in, in that way. And I think that for our listeners, especially our students, um, 
that is a message that we really love to encourage. So thank you for joining us and for reinforcing that. And we wish you a, a wonderful opening in um in in uh opera. We say toy toy toy. Yes. Uh, so so we definitely, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for, for what for what comes next. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Dreamcast. The Otis Redding Foundation would like to thank the following people and organizations for their continuous support. The Otis Redding Estate, the Otis Redding Foundation, the Knight Foundation, Georgia Council for the Arts, the Community Foundation of Central Georgia, and the United Way of Central Georgia. The Dreamcast is produced by Jamie Alala and Matt Miller with an amazing group of student producers. Our theme music was composed and performed by Zach Wilson. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Dreamcast.